forward, and here you are. So I'm glad you're with us this morning. And uh, just a couple of announcements before we get started. And Deacon's Workday, Saturday, March 25th. So uh, for those of you who want to be a part and serve in our congregation, this is a place you can come and serve. Get to know each other a little bit, do some work around the church. It takes work to keep things up, and uh, this is something the deacons have begun to set aside once, a, once a, a semester or twice a year. So this is our spring cleanup. We'd love to have your help. Uh, come in the morning around 8 o'clock, and uh, we're usually here at least till noon. Some people stay a little longer, but just find a couple hours even in the morning. If you can come that day on the 25th, that would be great. The deacons would greatly uh, appreciate it. And uh, as you know, Easter is coming, so we have um, on Friday the 7th, it's Good Friday some people call, the weekend of Easter, we have traditionally had a Good Friday service at noon, followed by a bag lunch, so if you're working you can come in, uh, we'll have a short time together and then you can be back and usually we try and have you out the door and on your way so you can be back by one if you get an hour lunch break. If you get a half hour lunch break, our services aren't quite short enough for you, but... Uh, just going a little late if you want to come and be a part of that. And then Easter Sunday, we don't have Sunday school, but we do have an Easter Sunday brunch at 10 a.m. Uh, and then we have a regular worship service at 11. So just you can prepare or begin to look for, uh, for that. I believe the Thursday Ladies Bible Study meets one more time here this week. And then it's going to be, I think, a couple more meetings and they close down the Thursday group for the summer break. Uh, and um, I believe that's all the announcements for now. Let's prepare our hearts and minds for worship.
Let us stand for our call to worship. It's a responsive reading. You can see it in your hymn or in your bulletin, I should say. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. Father in heaven, you who dwell in perfect holiness, we come before you today boldly to the throne of grace, seeking help in our time of need because you have provided for us a way to come before you. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Lord. He is our access. He is our only hope. He is what we need above all things. We bring him praise for his death, burial, and resurrection. Praise for his redemption. Praise for forgiveness for our sins. We thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you, O God, our creator and redeemer, our Father. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. O Father, you are sovereign. Number 75.
continue in our readings from the Old Testament, from Samuel chapter 19, picking up again the story of David, encouraging you to pay attention and hear uh, the words of the Old Testament that have been written for us. First Samuel 19, starting with verse 18, David on the run, future King David. Let us begin reading. Now David fled and escaped, and he came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and lived at Nioth. And it was told Saul, Behold, David is at Nioth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing his head over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. When it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they also prophesied. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. Then he himself went to Ramah and came to the great well that is in CQ, and he asked, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they are at Nioth in Ramah. And he went there to Nioth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God came upon him also. And as he went, he prophesied until he came to Nioth in Ramah. And he too stripped off his clothes, and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay naked all that day and all that night. Thus it is said, Is Saul also among the prophets? Then David fled from Nioth and Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit at table with the king. But let me go that I may hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me to run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. If he says, good, it will be well with your servant. But if he's angry, then know that harm is determined by him. Therefore deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So they both went out into the field. We'll pick it up again later, next week. Such is the reading of the Lord. And the realization that here we find evidence that David himself was from the city of Bethlehem where Jesus was born, the son of David. Now a new song for our hymn of thanksgiving and trust. So we'll let our pianist play it through once. And then after he plays, we'll then stand together and sing. So wait till he plays it through once. 
Let's stand together and keep in mind we'll sing the first two verses before we do the actual chorus. Afflicted, saint to Christ, draw near your Savior's gracious promise. Hear his faithful word, you can believe that as your days your strength shall be. Your faith is weak, your foes are strong, and if the conflict should be long, the Lord will make the tempter flee, that as your days your strength shall be. So sing with joy, afflicted one. The battle's fierce, but the victory's won. God shall supply all that you need. Yes, as your days, your strength.
all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Amen. And that reading of Psalm 51, as a prayer, we find then assurance in the Proverbs. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Amen. It's time now to introduce to you our new members, if we could have them all come forward. Uh, Christina and Paul and the Wood family and uh, Josh and Alexis, Michael Barber and Cindy and the family, and maybe on both sides. We'll put some here and some there, and then my elders that are here today. And this is, oh, <laughs> you can probably, why don't you go over there, that'll work. <laughs> this is just a part of the crop, as it were, this, uh, this season of harvest that the Lord has brought to us as members. And I want to personally thank you all for taking the time to get to the class or to hear the lectures and spend some time getting to know us. Uh, we brought my elders up here because we're thrilled to, to have you guys with us. And I uh, just want to say a couple of things. One, as you place membership, I want to encourage you all to be thinking about for the rest of your life, you're going to seek, no matter where God moves you or takes you across the fruited plain, as it were, uh, you'll seek to be a member somewhere in a church that preaches the Bible and that you would do this until the day that the Lord takes you from this earth. Because joining a church and being part of it is important. And if you, if you can uh, sustain that and the Lord strengthens you to do it, uh, I would feel like one of my goals in life has been accomplished to get uh, you to, uh, uh, to, 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 to join and then make that part of your life. And some of you are moving from other churches and some of you are joining for the first time a church. So we're thrilled to, uh, to have you. And so you've already taken vows before the session, uh, most of you. And, uh, uh, and so you're, you're members, but we want everyone to be able to hear your testimony of faith through these questions. So I'll ask the questions and the proper answer is yes. So simply answer yes, and you're on the right track. So uh, um, please, number one, first question. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving his displeasure, and without hope save in his sovereign mercy? Yes. I will ask you, do you, and then you'll say yes. How that for now? And then you'll know where the part is. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered in the gospel? Do you? Do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will endeavor to live as becomes a follower of Christ? Do you? Do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? Do you? Do you submit yourselves to the government and discipline of the church and promise to study its purity and peace, do you? Yes. Amen. Uh, maybe, Bruce, you can help the session there, maybe pass those around to everybody so they'll have a, a record. And then I want to spend a moment in prayer for you guys. Um, some of these are college students, so they will be with us for a term, and then they'll be moving on because few students actually stay in Milledgeville for their careers. A few do, but often they move on, so we'll be praying for them as they go on, and you'll find another church. and. Let us know. We'll try and 
give you good recommendations as you grow. And then for you families, uh, we want to be a part of your lives as your children grow up and, and, and be a part. And, and uh, you guys will be taking the reins of leadership someday as we age. So, uh, and you don't as much. <laughs> You're behind us. So, uh, so anyway, this is, our, uh, this is some members of our new family. And uh, today we have a church fellowship supper immediately following, so I'm just announcing it now. You're all welcome to come. We want to honor you. And all you who are here with us today can come as well. Just help us, guys, help us set up. And, and ladies and others, you can kind of maybe move towards the back and we'll set the place up and we'll be able to welcome our new members. And I'll have a little more to say about that in my, uh, in my sermon. But I want to again thank the session for helping with those meetings that we've had with these and for the membership meeting. And now let us pray for a blessing upon you all. Father in heaven, we ask your blessing on these families and these students and others that are joining today that you would bless this time with them of, of newness, of, of uh, getting to know us and of uh, adapting to us. And we pray that we might all be Romans 14 kind of Christians and Romans 15 kind of Christians where we uh, bear with one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another, seek fellowship with one another. And we thank you, O oh Lord, for bringing them by your providence to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to shake your hands. If I could. Welcome. Good to have you with us. How's it going to shake Doug's hand? Welcome our new members. You may be seated. Let us stand and sing the Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father and to the Son. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come thanking you for this time together this morning. We now come and with intercession praying for those among us, members and those related to us who have physical infirmities, illness, sickness, injury. We pray you'd hear our prayer and be gracious to our loved ones or to our own selves as we seek to continue on in our faith in the middle of infirmity and difficulty, even depression and discouragement. We pray that you would be our encouragement, you would be our strength. We pray for the missions programs of our church, or at least the missionaries that we support. And we pray for our local ministry that we support out of our building here with Campus Outreach and some of the other ministries that we pray for and support. We do pray you would hear our prayers today and strengthen and, and help them. We also pray for our nation, our state, our local government in Milledgeville. We pray, O oh Lord, that those moral codes that we find in Scripture that are so important for a society would either be sustained or re-embraced by our nation, that not only can we worship freely, but that our families and our children and our 
future uh, generations would be free to continue on in their faith without undue persecution and suffering. But if you call us to that kind of persecution and suffering, we pray that our children, our grandchildren, would be given the power to be faithful under fire and that their faith would be preserved and it would actually be even strengthened as only you can do. We pray for the children in, in, in that, that our children that grow up in this nation would be granted that kind of freedom that we've had. We also pray, Lord, uh, today uh, for this local church and its leaders, our elders, our deacons, the new members, that you would continue to make us be a church that hungers and thirsts for the word and seeks to live by it and loves one another deeply. Grow us and strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's time now to give to the Lord a portion of what he's given us. So let's uh, give to him uh, with cheer and thanksgiving. Amen.
Please stand for our doxology. 733. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Alleluia, Alleluia. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Father in heaven, we ask that you would take these gifts that have been now given and those that come in through the week, use them for the growth of your church, for your kingdom's glory. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. And you may be seated. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 verses again 1 through 7. As we prepare to read this text... It's a good reminder to say that if you've been paying attention to the book of Romans, you see there's a twofold aspect to the Christian life. There is the aspect of, when, of the coming to faith in Jesus and believing on Him, and we then are declared perfectly righteous in the sight of God. We're justified by the merits of Jesus Christ, by His righteousness. It's imputed to us, received by faith, and there is no difference in our standing before God, dressed in the righteousness of Christ. We are a 100 uh, percent the same category as it were uh, in Christ's righteousness we're all declared perfect in his sight it's a glorious doctrine that you're accepted before God as perfect in his sight through Jesus Christ's work for you on your behalf on the cross and his death burial and resurrection and in his perfect life of obedience and his obedience has become ours by faith nevertheless also the second aspect is what we call, that's justification. The second aspect is what we call sanctification, which is the work of God where progressively or, or, or moment by moment, day by day, uh, piece by piece, as it were, we are built up uh, unto the uh, conformity of Jesus Christ, our Savior, uh, to where we are made more and more like unto Him. And so that, we're all in different places. Different ages, different places of maturity, and he calls all of us to be together in one place. His local church, all of us together here today, we're all in different places in our walk. And that's where this text comes into play. Uh, it's not about justification so much as it is about the sanctification process. How do you deal with one another when you're all in different places in the local church? Verse 1, 15, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures 
we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, or I should say in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is the reading of God's word. Let us pray. Father, we pray that what we've just read, you would enlighten our minds and our understandings to gain insight into these verses. That we might learn more of you, more of ourselves, and more of how we might live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number one. The Christian bears with the weak. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. This is a really interesting verse. Uh, We who are strong. Paul is finally putting out there who he is. He is in that group of those who are more mature, who are stronger in the faith. And he's the one that thinks it's okay to eat uh, meat, uh, perhaps sacrifice to idols and not only vegetables. He doesn't consider one day more sacred than another. Uh, he, he, is, he is no longer seeing the need for those Jewish laws that have been part of Israel to be part of the Christian walk. He's preaching to Gentiles. He sees it. So he's talking to his fellow, I think, fellow Gentiles who are in maturity uh, and perhaps fellow Jews who are in maturity as well. Uh, could be but he's speaking to the mature and he's saying we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak now when it says failings there that term failings does not mean uh, blatant moral sin Uh, it actually when it says failings of the weak uh, it means minor faults proceeding rather from weakness of intellect or from carelessness than bad motives not blatant or bold or shameless sins These are humble people who don't yet fully understand. They're Christians and they love the Lord. They're not living in in, uh, unrepentant sin. He's talking about those kinds of things we've already discussed. The meat sacrificed or the meats, the vegetables, the days, special days. So he says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. He says obligation. So we are obligated to bear with the failings of the weak. In other words, there's some sense of not fighting over these things, not looking down on one another, not judging one another, but actually bearing, and it's an obligation to bear. And that term, bear, is more in line with, like if you're at a funeral and there's those guys that are the Paul bearers, what are they doing? They're all sharing in the load of carrying that casket to the place of burial, and so they're Paul bearers, they're bearing up and they're helping it along. So it's, it's not so much just simply the passive, oh, I just got to put up with this till it's over. It's not so much that, it's just come alongside and help bear the load because they don't fully understand where they're at. They don't understand, you're one of the strong, they're more in a weaker understanding, they're, they're wrong on some of these things and you come alongside instead of attacking them or correcting them in one brief sentence, harshly said, You're coming alongside and helping them, being patient with them. You're bearing the load with them. And you're obligated. Now, obligation, that term, is sort of like a vow. 
But it's not really quite the same as the vow. It's being under like a vow as if you had made one. It's, what, it's the result of the promise. But it may simply be more God putting this on you because you're his child. Saying, you're mine now. I put you under obligation. Here's your job. And, you're, and it becomes a, a duty. It's a command. We're under obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. Why would he put it in that phrasing? Well, I think a couple things we could say. Why we're given the strong word, let the strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. In other words, you're not going to exercise your freedoms so blatantly that you just could care less that you're offending your brother. And remember we had to do it with the vegetables and the meats. Uh, this person who's, who's been eating kosher his whole life is finally around a Gentile who, who can eat bacon. He's not had a taste of bacon in his whole life. And he's a Christian now and he realizes he's been told the food laws don't matter anymore. But he's still his conscience is such that he, he can't touch a piece of bacon, let alone eat it. And there you are just slurping it down in front of him. Hey, this is great. You want some? You know, that's kind of the general tenor of what's going on here. You're obligated not to do that because, I think this is the because, life's tough. It's a hard road. Live until the day we die for Christ. We've got a lot of trials, tribulations, and difficulties, temptations coming. We're in this together. We call to do the long game. We're in this for the long haul. We're not just a one moment together, and then we can go our separate ways, whatever. We're in this together with the members that joined today. You know, we're kind of in this for the long haul. Even if you're students, you're going somewhere else, we're still praying for you. We're in this together. We have a, a greater call upon us. So we have this obligation because of such a serious business being a Christian. It's eternal. We have a resurrection of the dead, a judgment day, a death ahead of us. So the Christian bears with the weak. Number two, look at the next verse. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. So he goes from the, the, the don't do this. We have a strong obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Put aside that thing you do that causes someone else to stumble. Just wait. Bear with them. Help them through. Let Next verse. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Well, that's easy. The Christian builds up his neighbor. He builds him up. What's it mean to build up your neighbor? Some of the scholars that I read wrote about uh, giving sound uh, biblical advice. Listen to this. To please our neighbor is to promote his spiritual well-being to build him up in faith, to encourage him in his Christian walk, and to help him grow in the knowledge of Christ. I think that that also would include some of the physical things that could do very... Let's think of some of the small ways in which you can build up your, your neighbor, even in this church. How could you build up your fellow believer here? Well, smiles. Greetings. We have greeters. If you've seen our greeters, they pass out a bulletin to you. you know, we actually want you to feel welcome here when you visit. That we're a family. We love you. I remember when I was in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Uh, that's New England. And in New England, the, the, down here you might be able to say hello to people when you're walking down the sidewalks. In New England, if you say hi to someone walking down the sidewalk in Ipswich, it was our, we, we, my wife and I would notice that people would kind of look at you like, do I, do I know him? Why is he saying hi to me? Who is that? Because it's just not common. I remember going to this church in Ipswich. We were visiting. I was in seminary at the time. 
And there's quite a number of people there. But we, we walked in. Before it started, we didn't talk to anybody. We sat and went through the service and it was over. And we got up, we loitered a little, moved slow and never spoke to a soul. Walked out the door. I still remember that. Now, I think it was probably a good church, and it might have just been that I got missed by the greeter. Who knows? Maybe there was an official greeter. It might have been a very friendly church. But it, the experience at that moment for us was, I'm invisible. Or we didn't really, it just felt like I was invisible. No one saw me. Was I really there? You know, did they know I was there? Did they not want me there? You just, it, so there's some sense of when you build someone up, there's some sense of noticing them, smiling at them, being a, a, glad that you see them. A card, uh, uh, physical help, sacrificing. Today, when we have our fellowship meal, helping set up tables. In, as a group, we're talking, we're fellowshipping, we're working together. Build each other up. And so this weaker brother, you're building him up, but not only do you not cause offense to him, but you try and befriend him. Are we trying to be, be uh, kind to him? Service, sound biblical advice, service, aid. And in the family, it would mean in the family, the children helping the parents, unasked. Why do I always got to ask for help, kids? Come on, step in when you see the mess. And they want that to be unasked, that desire to be a part. Give up your hobby of interest for someone else at that moment. Church work day. The deacons have the work day. Life is hard. A few moments of cheerful chores can greatly benefit their relationships with one another. Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. It requires patience, endurance, and faith to finish well. Um, I remember with my dad, my stepdad, we, do you remember before they closed, there's not many of you here remember this, before Jimmy Carter closed the state hospitals. Do you remember life here in Milledgeville? I wasn't here, but some of you do. When there were all these special needs people coming in to town and big groups had their helpers and stuff. You remember those life, what life was like? Well, my dad would take me and my brother, my stepdad, the principal, the new dad. He'd take us to this state hospital with our church. And several of our church people would go, and we would go and play games with the special needs guys. And they would show us their room and show us their bed. And then we'd have these little games, pass the ball. And they would all get excited to pass the ball. And it, they'd had so much fun. I still remember that. And it bonded me to my dad. That he would take us there. And so there, the bonding wasn't so much with the group as it was with my dad. The team that went there, we, we knew we were bringing joy. And when we took students a couple years ago to Green Acres here in town, that's the, the Medicaid facility. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough place. It's, it's where people are aging and they often pass away in that facility from old age. We took a bunch of college students. Most had never done it before. We sang Christmas carols all over that place. And those students just bonded. It was rich. And our church people joined them. There was something about a spiritual blessing there. Something about love that was happening. There was a building each other up. And, and people that were weaker and stronger in that group together, we don't know where we're at, but that group, that bonding, that's building up his neighbor. Kids, VBS. I remember doing a, a VBS program a few years ago, Vacation Bible School. And for whatever reason, our church members were busy or something. I asked for people that wanted to volunteer to, to the Vacation Bible School program that summer to come forward. And I think two adults maybe and about 14 students 
all from the ages of about 10 through, through 14, 15, wanted to help. So 15 students wanted to help with the VBS program, ages, you know, uh, up to age 12, or up to, actually we were more up to age 9. And so we just had the kids run it. You know what they said? So we did, a, it was a ton of work, way more work than normal, putting that all together with those students. And they ran it. And then we had pizza, a big pizza party afterwards at a big pizza restaurant, went over. You know what those kids said? That was the most fun I've ever had. I'm like, listen to yourself. We didn't go to, we didn't go to the, the amusement park. We didn't take you on a river run. We went out and we served by just serving a bunch of kids at Vacation Bible School. This is the most fun we've ever had. There's something uniquely beautiful and enjoyable about building up your neighbor. And that's part of what the family life of the church is about. And what Paul's getting at. Three, the Christian believes his Bible. So we have the Christian uh, bears with, his, with the weak, builds up his neighbor, believes his Bible. Why would Paul put that in there like that? Well, let's look at the text, see how it's written. Please his neighbor. Let us each please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And that's a quote from the Old Testament, from the Psalms. What's that saying? It says that Jesus was willing to bear the reproaches that were on God. And if you can apply it further, he's saying, I was willing to bear the reproaches uh, such that you should be willing to bear reproaches too. So in other words, the, the, God, Jesus bore the reproaches of the men that were attacking his God. They reproached him. And he did that for us. So he's ultimately saying, you should be willing to bear reproach for me. And that kind of love is found in the scriptures. He says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. So the key of this encouragement that we mentioned a Christian builds up his neighbor actually finds its foundation or its fountain in the word of God. We aren't just being kind out there like a social gospel. We're being kind because what the word of God has granted to us. We believe the Bible. It's our instruction book. And in the Old Testament, he's saying that Old Testament is a book for us still. It's not just about the Jewish laws anymore and this, those kosher laws that was for Israel. Now this book is for us, he says, written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scripture you might have hope. Well, endurance means you stay at it and encouragement means you get cheered by it. You stay at it, endurance, and you're cheered by it. So the scriptures help you keep going and the scriptures help you keep going cheerfully. I can bear this. And then if you put it in the context of this church, of the, the Romans 14 and 15 type of Christian, you're saying we can be encouraged by this and we can keep going this way together. No man's an island. So we have this sense of shared experience of looking in the word together and being encouraged by it and seeking to endure with it. So by you sitting here together, hearing this message today, you're hearing from the word and finding encouragement, finding the ability to keep going together. That's what the church is about. And that gives us hope. So hope is the tagline here. How does it give us hope? Because when we have that, we begin to look forward to saying, it'll be good to have this church with me together in the future. 
So it's going to be good even in this life and the future because we have the shared faith together. I can't wait to go back to church next week and see everybody and worship the Lord together as the church. His word brings us encouragement. Christian believes his Bible. If he carried them, he'll carry us. You see what I'm saying? If you read the Old Testament and you see God carrying them, you know that God will carry us. That's why we find encouragement and endurance. He kept them going. He'll keep us going too. And then number, uh, well, let me just read a quote here. Thomas Manton, the Old Testament is not only a history of the Jewish people, but a history of Christ and his church. It's full of types and shadows that point forward to the coming of Christ. And it finds its fulfillment in him. Number four, the Christian befriends his fellow believer. You hear that? So the Christian believes his Bible. And then in that context, the Christian befriends his fellow believer. Verse five, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've got one another words and Jesus' name mixed into that text over and over. You've got uh, God grant you to live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're... Now you say the word brings endurance and encouragement, right? He just said that. Now he says in verse 5, God brings endurance and encouragement. So, of course, God brings endurance and encouragement through the scriptures, but they're putting it on him. And this is a praise. We could say this as a benediction. The God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. So the, the living in harmony part isn't something you just work up on your own. The living in harmony part is a gift of God's grace. So if you're in a church... You're getting along, Romans 14 and 15 kind of people, well, there's nothing better. This is what we do weekly. We worship till Jesus returns or we go home and our brothers and sisters bury us, put our bodies in the ground because we don't have any ability to do that anymore once we die. You're kind of stuck. Once you die, your body's kind of stuck there. Somebody's got to take care of it. And your church will be a part of helping you put that away in hopes of the great resurrection of the dead. So we have those four things. Christian bears with the weak. The Christian builds up his neighbor. The Christian believes his Bible. And the Christian befriends his fellow believer. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. After this great blessing in Christ that Paul has Recited almost like he almost goes straight to doxology here. He just does praise, but he does praise in context of uh, have harmony. Therefore, welcome one another. So he's saying you can have harmony even when you disagree with each other over non-essential things. You won't have that. Oh, he differs with me on baptism. Ugh, I just okay. I'll just put up with him. There's some sort of a some sort of love that's deeper than that. Even though you have some differences over those non-essentials, it's not that they don't matter. They do matter. Our, our denomination, we, we are Presbyterian. It matters. But you can still find this depth of love over the things you do share, the, the main things. And therefore, welcome one another. Befriend each other. A Christian befriends his fellow believer. 
So that, I guess that makes it an obligation. If we go back to the first point, we have an obligation to bear with the weak. We could say we have an obligation to, in our local church, befriend one another. We could probably do better. Some ways we do well at that. Some ways we have hope that God will continue to work. We have our new members and they're going to help us. And guess what? When we have our church fellowship supper, that's a place we can actually put to practice befriending one another. You can't all be friends with each other all in the same way at the same time. It doesn't work. It's utter chaos. So we have tables and things. You sit with those people that you have at your table. Just take a little bit at a time. And you'll find friendships that are deeper with some than with others. Jesus himself had Peter, James, and John. Then he had the twelve. And you see that those relationships will bind and build in different ways. That's, that's actually good. But let there, be no empty t- let there be no one sitting alone at a table with no fellowship. If you see someone off at the side, reach out to them. I, I remember when I was in college, I changed colleges like some people change clothes. Five colleges, different reasons why. And I remember when I go to the new college, nobody knows me, I don't know them, and I'm off by myself. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to sit this way, I'm going to go find somebody. So one, one school I went to, I went and found everybody from Thailand. All these folks, they were Thai. And I sat down with them, and they welcomed me right to the table. I go to some other table, I didn't know me, they just sit there and look at me and then look, look away. And, but I go there with these folks from Thailand, oh, I was their friend. They taught me some of their language, they checking in on me. I felt so welcome. And I taught me a lesson there. Don't let there be a person on the side that just seems told. Sometimes you just want to get away. Leave me alone. And you've been that way. But generally speaking, sometimes they just need someone to reach out. Befriend your fellow believer. We're in this together for eternity. Death doesn't separate us. It's all the way into eternity. So a church fellowship supper is a small part of the reality of this text. From all walks of life... All ages, all kinds of occupations, we come together to worship the Lord and then afterwards eat and fellowship with one another for a few minutes. Often we would have no mutual interest in one another whatsoever because of the differences of of our beings and our lives and our interests except our interest in Jesus Christ. So I'll leave, leave you with three T words, foundation of maturity and unity in a relationship in a church, solid Friendships are built on these three T's. Just throw them out and think about them. Truth, trial, time. Okay? The unity is in the truth. The doctrines of the essentials in Christ, that's where we find our unity. Even the doctrine of the Reformed faith has brought a measure of unity that's pretty deep. But, mo- but just Jesus Christ as Savior, we have a measure of unity. It's that truth that binds us together. Secondly, and it will bind you together uh, stronger and stronger. Secondly, trial. We go through some difficulties as a church. We go through some hardships that will bind us tighter and closer. Nothing like hardship to bind people together in Christ. Sometimes hardships can drive a family apart, but in Christ it drives you closer together. Finally, time. Spending time together. Looking at the church over time binds the people there together in a deeper unity. God may move you to North Atlanta. You got a job, you got to go. But while you're here, the time together can be sweet until He lets you go somewhere else. So, truth, trial, time. We can ask God to give that to us, can we not? Before we go home, let us pray. Father in heaven, we come in the name of Jesus. He's our only unity, He is the truth that binds us together. He, from the scriptures, was stated to have died, 
for our sins and rose from the dead. And we find unity in him. And we, Lord, pray that we might bear with one another, uh, especially those who might be weaker in this area or that area. We're all the weaker brother in some way. We're all the strong in some way if we're believers. Also, Lord, may we build each other up. May we solidly rest in the scriptures. And may we seek friendships with one another for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Closing him. Jesus, I live to thee. Number 516. Stand together. Jesus, I live to Thee, the lovely yes and best. My life in Thee, Thy life in me, in Thy blessed love I rest. Jesus, I die to Whenever death shall come, to die in thee is life to me in my eternal home. Whether to live or die, I know not which is best. To live in thee is bliss to me, to die is endless rest. Living or dying, Lord, I ask but to be thine, my life in thee, thy life in me. Makes heaven forever.